Growing up, God to me was really nothing much than a figurehead. I really didn't know him, didn't know much about him. I know we said prayers to him when we'd go to grandma's house for lunch, and that was about it. The service was full of the Spirit. It was very encouraging, upbeat, uplifting. We immediately knew we had found our home and we were, we were set. At the first Holy Spirit retreat, at the end of all the lessons, there's a time where you can go back and get prayer and ask for the gifts of the Holy Spirit and to, and to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I wasn't going anywhere. I was like, no way, I'm not moving, I'm not, that's fine, you guys go do your thing, but I'll just gonna stand here and watch. So a few months went by and I attended another Holy Spirit retreat. Uh, at the end of all the sessions, I went back, found somebody to pray with, and I said, I wanna receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I wanna be baptized through Jesus into the Holy Spirit. And I asked them to pray for me. And I prayed, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And nothing happened. And that was it. And I went back to the table going, well, that didn't work. The next time the class came up, I said, you know, God, talk to me. I'm not doing something right. And he revealed to me, I was getting it in my head. I was trying to make it happen. I wanted it my way, my timing. I went back for prayer and I gathered a couple of friends with me and they um, said, Here's how you might be able to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They said, just simply open your mouth and speak the name of Jesus very softly, lovingly, with respect and honor. Just say the word Jesus, Jesus. I ask for your Holy Spirit, Jesus bless me, over and over. And in this time, instead of just rushing off like pass fail, wait upon the Lord. We waited for the Lord patiently. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the floodgates opened. I began to speak words I have never heard before. I was uttering sounds. I had no idea where they came from before. And just by being able to relax my jaw, relax my tongue, turn it all over, turn over everything of my body to God, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. After I left River Valley, I wrote this in my journal. It says, today I have been filled by the Holy Spirit. I have a relationship now with God where I can praise Him beyond my earthly tongue, to praise Him as an angel in a language He grants and understands. Today I felt the physical weakness of trembling and a flowing of breath, a weakness of falling to my knees in total surrender. And then all of a sudden there was an overwhelming peace, very peaceful, the peace of God, the peace of knowing that I had really experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, right now, some of you may be thinking, I want the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to have the baptism. I want to have that power that Jesus died for to give to me. But you're thinking, well, I asked once. Well, I asked once. I asked twice. I asked three, four times. Be patient. Wait upon the Lord. It's worth the wait. I look back at my life before this experience, and then I look at it afterwards, and boy, I realize there's a changed person in me. I am a new person in Christ. And the Holy Spirit has given me the power to really become a, a warrior in this world. I hope you enjoyed those. I hope, I hope these testimonies are helping you and that you're enjoying that and you're seeing 
uh, different experiences that people have had. And uh, if you catch that, Cindy was saying, don't give up, keep seeking, uh, Terry, and it's on the Lord's time. And some of us are like, now or this, you got three minutes, Lord, take care of that. And uh, that's why we do the Holy Spirit retreat, just in case you're wondering. Part of that is built in for a time for you to relax. Part of you uh, just have that freedom where you've cleared your schedule because many of you, you come to church and you don't have, uh, you're thinking, all right, we got to leave right after. I hope Pastor Rob doesn't go long today. Uh, we've got something going on. And so we've got that built into the Holy Spirit retreat. So there's that time to wait. There's that time for you to just uh, listen to the Lord and to realize that you're not making it happen. It's not on your effort. It's the Lord. He's the one that is doing this for you and in you. Now, I know that for a lot of us, this is new. Um, I realize that. And even as I'm reading in the book of Acts, I, I see over and over again that when the power of the Holy Spirit is poured out on the early church, that's new to everybody. And uh, when the apostles would go into a community, they'd say, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And uh, they'd be like, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, there was another scenario where uh, they go into one place, and there's a guy in the Bible in the book of Acts known as Simon the Sorcerer. He kind of controlled his community and uh, was a sorcerer. And when he sees the apostles come into his community with the power of the Holy Spirit, he's like, Wow. I have never seen anything like this at all. And he goes up to me and goes, what do I have to pay to get this thing? What do I have to pay to get this trick here? And, they're like, and they go and rebuke him, and they say, you and your money perish. This is not for sale. This is the power of God. And he's like, wait, 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 I'm sorry. I, I repent. I, I, I didn't know. I've, I've never seen anything like this. This is incredible. I, I want in. And he gets right with Jesus. Okay, so I understand that there's a lot of people that don't fully understand all about the power of the Holy Spirit, and I get it. Even in today's day and age, um, uh, with our own boys, I'll give you an illustration with each of them, with Connor and with Logan. Uh, a while back, Connor was working at Little Caesars in Lakeville, and uh, he's working there, and uh, you know, if you're a preacher's kid, uh, I don't know what it is, but people know that you're a preacher's kid, okay? And uh, hopefully for good reasons, and for ours it is. And they were at Little Caesars, and uh, one of the boys at the workplace said, you know, hey, does your church believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? And uh, Connor said, yeah, that's the type of church we are. And they said, do you guys believe in tongues? And he said, well, yeah, we, we believe. The guy said, do you have tongues? Do you have that gift? And Connor said, well, yes, I do. And he goes, well, Say something to me in tongues. Go ahead. He's like, no, no, that's, that's not the way it works. And the guy goes, well, just say something easy, like say hello or something. Yeah. He's like, no, it doesn't work that way, okay? You know? So I understand there's a lot of confusion in our culture about it. And even the other day, Logan, just in all innocence, he comes up to me and he said, Dad, he goes, I've got a question for you. You know, you're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's gifts available, and there's nine gifts of the Spirit. And, and he said, I was just wondering, like, do you unlock them? Can you, like, unlock them like a video game and go to next levels, you know? I thought, I would have never thought that. I grew up with Pong. How many know what I'm talking about? Burp, 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 you know, you don't unlock that baby. You just make the paddle smaller. That's it, all right? You know, but anyways. But it was, it was a good question, because he's like, well, do you go in at this level, and then you get the next one, and then you unlock that? And, and then I said, well, no. And he said, no, no, no. I mean, like, if you get a gift, can you unlock it to a greater level? Like, if God gives you something, can you mature it and go to it? I said, now that you can. That you can. When you get a gift, you can exercise that gift. You can mature in that gift. You can develop in that gift. That way, yes. But as far as if you get one, do you master that one and unlock it? No, Okay. 
because the Spirit will give the gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to give to the person. But I, I, I realize that, and I realize that there's confusion, and um, even some people after last week, they said, I thought I have the Holy Spirit when I give my life to Jesus Christ. I thought the Holy Spirit uh, makes Jesus my Lord and Savior. I said, yes, that's true, and I'll explain that, and I'm going to explain that today. Others said, um, you know, I, I've seen the gifts of the Spirit. I've seen that type of church. I know there's power, but it seems to me like a lot of people just use the power to rev up the engines, if you will. And churches that have a, a huge demonstration of the Holy Spirit, it just seems like there's a lot of revving going on and not a lot of forward motion. And I, and I told this person, I said, you're right, in a lot of churches like that, you'll see um, people that have a turbocharged spirituality, and all they do is, is peel out. All they do is squeal the tires, you know, and they're like, look at this, we got the gifts, you know, and the church is full of smoke and nobody's going anywhere, but, you know, and they're like, it's all about, isn't that cool, we all squealed the tires, but the whole purpose of a turbo, the whole purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit is to propel the church forward, and I would say outside the walls of the church. I would say it's here to propel us outside the walls of the church with the power of the Holy Spirit so that when we're going through our everyday normal life, we are empowered with these gifts of the Spirit that will help us to reach more people, that will help us to be a sign to the non-believer that God is powerful for today. And we don't want to have a church that's just full of squealing tires. And if you read uh, Corinthians, you'll see that. The Apostle Paul had to tell the church at Corinth, hey guys, stop it. Stop it. Your service is like mayhem. Okay, he's like, okay, if this is going to happen, two or three at the most. It wasn't like two or three has to happen, but he's like, two or three at the most. Let's just, let's just bring this down and let's, let's, let's rein it in. And some of you guys are running. Okay, let's rein it in here, guys. Okay, so we want to have the power, but we want to have the power to propel the church forward. So with your Bibles today, I'm going to go through a lot of scriptures. This is a teaching. You can turn and be to Luke uh, chapter 24, and I'm going to go through a bunch. And so even more than your Bible, unless you want to take notes in your Bible, but I always encourage you to bring a Bible. Even more than your Bible, you might want something to write down some notes or to get your smartphone out, and I'll, I'll know that you're not texting, and, uh, you know, but you do have permission to tweet things that you like, okay? I'll give you permission for that. But um, just go ahead and take down some notes. Go ahead and write these things down. There's going to be a lot here that is a teaching. Now, I want to ask you this. What was Jesus' last instruction to his followers when he was on earth? Now, if you think about this, it's in Luke, and it's not the Great Commission. It's not go, because a lot of us would say his last command was to go. But his last command was not go. His last command was to wait. And this is what he says in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So he's telling them, stay, wait, wait. There's going to be power that's coming to you. There's a promise from my Father that's coming to you, and I'm going to send him the Holy Spirit. Wait. And so that's what they did. And the Bible tells us that they waited, and they gathered, and they prayed. Now, here's an interesting thing. We know from 1 Corinthians that about 500 people saw Jesus before he left this earth. After he died, rose from the dead, about 500 people saw him before he ascended into heaven. So there are about 500 people that were told to wait, and we know that the number, for some reason, we know the number, there were 120 
that were gathered in the upper room. So that was about 24%. 24% waited. That either means the other people were busy doing other things, they missed it, or maybe they didn't wait, they went without having the power. We don't know. But we know that there were 120 people that were waiting for the promise that was sent from the Father. In Acts chapter 2, this is where it happens. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So we have this outpouring. This is the promise. Jesus is saying, wait for the promise that the Father has promised that I'm sending. It's the Holy Spirit. And when he gets here, there's going to be power. And so this is what's happening here. So in the book of Acts, we see Peter. He comes out. The disciples, they come out. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit, full of this power. They're speaking in tongues. They're speaking in other languages. People are overwhelmed by this. Peter goes and preaches. And on that day, 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Peter replies in Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39, he says, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And so he says, this is the promise. This is what Joel talked about. We've been waiting for this promise. This is it. It's the Holy Spirit. He's here. Now he says, it's for all of us and for those that are far off. And I would say from that right there and other passages in the Bible, it's for today. Some have said it's not for today. It's not. He says it's for those who are far off. I am afar off in time and location. I'm a long way from Jerusalem. And I'm a long way from when that happened in time. I am part of the afar off. You are part of that. It is for today. And the church, if ever we needed the power of God, we need it today. The job is not done. There are so many people that don't know Jesus that need to know him. We need as much turbo power as we can get. Now, I want to point something out here, and this is going to be new teaching or a new understanding or just a new way to form this for you. But I believe from this passage and others, you'll see this, that there are three things for each believer to seek. Three things. There's a repentance and that first part, which Peter says, repent, then there's be baptized, which is the water baptism, and then he says, and then receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There are three baptisms, if you will. Okay, so I'm going to give you a grammar lesson here, and I want to let you know that grammar was not my uh, specialty in high school, all right? I wasn't very good at it. I didn't like it that very, you know, that much. And now here I am as a preacher using past, present, participle, and all those other, I mean, so it's crazy, but all right, here's what I'm going to tell you. The first thing when he says repent is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me say that very clear, of baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ, into the family of God. When you prayed the prayer, became saved, became born again, became a Christ follower, however you want to phrase that, the Holy Spirit was the one that brought you into the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it says, for by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. 
And so when you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you repent, as Peter said, first step, repent. When you do that, you come into the body of Christ and you have a baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one doing the baptizing. Be very clear on that, all right? When that happens, the Bible says you receive an earnest, a deposit, a down payment. The Spirit takes up residence within you. It's a down payment. How many know if there's a down payment, there's more where that came from, right? And so you receive a down payment. From that, Peter says, repent and be baptized. And we believe that there's a water baptism. So you have a baptism of the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. You have a water baptism. And a water baptism says something happened on the inside, guys. Something happened in here, and I want to show people what happened. And so from what happened on the inside, I want to make a public profession of faith. And so what happens, and let me just explain this in just a very simple illustration. If this represents you standing up in water, let's say this other line, hand is the water line. You're standing up in water. And in water baptism, you're saying, I used to live for myself. But when I became a follower of Jesus Christ and I was baptized of the Holy Spirit into the family of God, something happened. I died to my old way. And the Holy Spirit made me new. And when the Holy Spirit made me new by the power of God, I come up out of water symbolically of what the Holy Spirit did in my life. And so that's water baptism. I used to live for myself. But I said, I don't want to do that. I want to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was baptized of the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. And now the life that I live, I live by the power of God in me. It's a public profession of something that has happened within you. Okay? So that's the second baptism. And then the third baptism, in the Holy Spirit. Not of, in the Holy Spirit. Now let me read this. In Matthew 3.11. John the Baptist is speaking, and he says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In this third baptism, who does the baptizing here? It's not a trick question. Jesus does the baptizing, okay? So in the first one, we have the Holy Spirit baptizing you into the body, the second one, we have a water baptism, but the third one, we have Jesus baptizing you with or in the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus doing the baptizing. And in this, now we have the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are then able to be operating in your life. So it's three baptisms. Some of you are like, wow, that's three baptisms. I, I don't know. I mean, but it does. I thought about two. You had me there. The third one, okay. Let me just point this out. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. The writer of Hebrews says this, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Instruction about baptisms. Did you catch that? Baptisms. Not one, multiple. Instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. Now, just to read some more here, Acts 19, verses 1 through 7. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? 
John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There are about 12 men in all. Now, someone say, was that four baptisms or three? If you look at John's was the repentance, baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of Jesus, that water baptism that was there. And then Paul says, guess what? Now we're going to this one. We're going to lay hands on you, and we're going to have you baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is going to bring those gifts, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And they started to speak in tongues, and they prophesied. If you notice, there's a pattern here. And if you look throughout the Bible, you'll see this pattern. Some of you are like, this is new. This is good. Here and online. Well, online I won't be able to tell, but here, can you nod at me, all right? Nod at me. You're all good? We're tracking? All right. 1 John 5, verses uh, 7 and 8, it says, for there are three that testify. There's some symbolism here. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. Think about it. The blood, salvation. Jesus' blood brings us salvation. Water, water baptism. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit. You're starting to see this. Okay, it's making sense. In 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul is writing, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses, in the cloud, and in the sea. Now, let me just tell you what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. He's talking about when the children of Israel, God's chosen people, the Jewish people, were in Egypt. They were in Egypt, and God said, I want to set them free, and he sent Moses as a deliverer. Moses was almost symbolic in a way of what Jesus would do for us trapped in our sins. And Moses comes and tells Pharaoh, let him go. He won't. The plagues happen. And the final plague was one where the children of Israel had to sacrifice a lamb, put blood on the doorpost, and that night stay inside. And when they were inside, they were safe. The blood covered them. And so that's called the baptism of Moses. It was saying the blood covered them and it kept them safe. So Pharaoh says, all right, they can leave. They leave Egypt, and what do they do? They get to the Red Sea. The Red Sea's in front of them. They can't go by. The Egyptian army is coming behind them. They want to kill them. And God does what? He parts the water. He parts the water. And this passage says they walk through the water. And Paul's saying, do you get this? The blood was applied. Salvation. It's symbolic. They walk through the water. That's baptism. And he says they get through to the other side. And you know what was there? The cloud, which was the power of the Holy Spirit. A cloud during the day and fire at night. And he says, we've got it. We've got the blood. We've got the water. We've got the Holy Spirit. And so as you start seeing this, there's a progression here that believers should be involved in. There's more than this. Think about this. When the priest would go into the Holy of Holies, he would sacrifice a lamb. He'd have to have the blood. Then from there, he'd go over to the basin, and he'd have to wash in water. There was a purifying thing. So we've got the blood, we've got the water. Before he goes into the Holy of Holies, he needs one more thing. He has to be anointed with oil. Oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And so he has the blood, the water, and the oil. Then he goes into the presence of the Holy of Holies. 
So it's all there, and you start seeing this over and over and over again. And I see this. We have salvation. We have water. We have Holy Spirit. We have this here, and I think the progression should be like this. But here's what happens for a lot of us. We say, Jesus, I love salvation. I do not want to go to hell and the free gift of eternal life. That is a good thing. I'm in. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for the blood. And I can tell you this. Last year at River Valley Church, we had 2,698 people that raised a hand that said, I want in on that. And I think that's something we should give a hand clap for. So that is so exciting. 2,698 people raised their hand, said we're in, and they said that. They, I'm in. Let the blood be applied to me. Jesus, you paid the price. Now, here's the thing, though. Just less than 200 said we'd like to be water baptized. So we've got blood, water, oil. Uh, Blood, water, Holy Spirit, we got this. Let me point this out. Almost 3,000, just under 200 said we want to be water baptized. Now, some people are like, you know, I, you know that public profession thing, you know, I mean, I don't know, I got to be a little bold, I don't know if I want to invite my family, you know, um, I don't look good wet, it's uh, <laughs> not for me, I just, you know, good, I don't know what it is, or, and I'll cut you some slack, at our church, we understand that in our culture, we do, a, a lot of churches do infant baptism, and many of you came from that, and so we say to you that if you want to have that be your baptism, that's up to you and Jesus. You just pray, and if you're good about that, that's fine. But we don't practice infant baptism. We only practice a believer's baptism. So I'll cut you some slack that a lot of people opted for that. They said, okay, what what parents did for me there, it was just out of sequence, but I got it. I'm good, uh, and I'll cut you some slack. But I will tell you this. I believe that in a believer's baptism, and I believe our water baptisms should be just packed. I believe they should just be packed with people saying, I, I, I can't think of a better way to invite people to come and hear that Jesus Christ has changed my life. And what a free opportunity for me to share my faith with someone and to be able to do that and to publicly profess what Jesus Christ has done in my life. Incidentally, the early church would tell you um, to fast two to three days before you were water baptized because they wanted you to be fully focused on what you were doing publicly. And they would tell you that if it was possible, they wanted a running stream of water because it was symbolic that the water was uh, washing away your sins. And then they said, if you can't have running water, we'd love you to have standing water. And if you have standing water, um, cold is better than hot. I don't know why, but that's what we found in history. They said, we like cold better than hot. And then what they said is, uh, what you're doing there is you're publicly professing this. And this is, we want you to be fully aware of what you're doing. And they said, if you can't find water that you can be immersed in, then sprinkling three times, once in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit would be acceptable only if you can't find water to be immersed in, okay? But we have people like, okay, water, salvation, lots, and we have Holy Spirit baptism. Now, I know that we don't keep perfect records on this, but for the people that went to the Holy Spirit retreat, we have about a little less than 150 people that we know that say, we believe we were baptized in the Holy Spirit. These gifts are, we were baptized in the Holy Spirit. We have these gifts. They're in operation in us, and uh, we believe that. So we've got lots more lower. Now, let me just say this. If there's more available, why don't we want all that God has for us? Why not? And, and as your pastor, in a very loving way, and I'm going to say something hard, um, but I think it's kind of selfish if we say, 
God, I love that I get the blood applied. I'm in. I'm glad I have salvation. Lord, the water okay, could on the infant thing. I just, I don't want to go that public, you know, that thing, you know, and the power. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. As long as I'm getting to heaven, that's good. I don't need any more power. I don't need any more gifts. Um, you know, I'm good. I'm good. It's kind of selfish. The Lord says, I've got a turbocharger so you can be more effective to reach more people for me. Why don't you want that? I've got gifts that the body could benefit from. I've got gifts that are assigned to the non-believer. I've got more power available to you, and you're just content with saying, well, I'm getting into heaven. It's good for me. Let's just keep it there. If there's more available, why aren't we going after it? Now, some it might be, I didn't even know. I didn't even know. You should have told me, Pastor Rob. I'm an early adapter. I'm in. I'm ready. You know? And there's others that are like, I, 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 I've heard this and I've known it, but I'm just, I'm not, I'm not there. Don't be so selfish. You exist to bring glory to God the Father. You exist to be on mission to reach people with the power of Jesus Christ. You exist to turn people that are going to hell to go to heaven. We are here to fill heaven and make sure hell is empty. That's our goal. We are here to fill heaven. So I'm just praying that our church would have more of an attitude like Logan, our youngest, and say, can I unlock more? What more can I get? Is there more? Because I want it. I want in. And I'm praying that our Holy Spirit retreat will be filled every time we offer this. And they're at all of our campuses next week. At all of our campuses, we are offering them, uh, except Faribault. They just had theirs yesterday. So at all the other campuses, please sign up. Please get in. I, we need it to be filled to capacity with people that are saying, I'm hungry. I want more. I want in. And if you can't get in here, get in at another campus. But we want you to get in on this. It's available. And again, I don't want to be standing before you as a pastor knowing there is more power available, and we never talked about it. We never made it public. We never made it available to you. No, we're bringing it out to the forefront. The power of God is for today. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is for today, and we want you to receive that power. So if you could pray with me, and as a sign of being receptive to all that the Holy Spirit has for you, all that Jesus wants to give you, all that the Father has promised, if you could hold your hands in a receptive position, maybe palms up in your lap or out in front of you saying, God, I receive, I'm available, I receive. So Lord God, with our hands lifted towards you, our palms up, we're in a receptive position. Lord, we say if there's more, we're open. If there's more, we want it. If there's more, we want to move forward. Lord, we don't want to be a church that leaves out this power. We don't want to be a church that, that doesn't function in these gifts. We want these things for today. And so we say more. With our palms lifted up, Lord, we're receptive. We're open. We're receiving. We're saying, pour it out, Lord. We thank you that we're baptized of the Holy Spirit and we are brought into the body. We thank you for the water baptism that was an outward sign of what's happened on the inside. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can be baptized in the Holy Spirit with these gifts available, with more of the power available, more to be used to reach more people. Lord, we don't want to be a church that just squeals our tires. We desire to be a church that uses this power to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're open. We're open. Whether you want to baptize us in the Holy Spirit now, whether it's at the end of service with a prayer team, whether it's at a Holy Spirit retreat, in our car, in our home, wherever it is, Lord Jesus, we want more. We want all that you have for us. And we are open to everything that you have. 
We thank you for these good gifts that empower the church to do more. And I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.